Welcome to our Saturday simulcast live from the Memorial Stadium press box, the legendary Tom Deanhart, live from Martinsville, the home of John Wooden. We do all produce shows by the, at least on I-37. I think we're maybe up a little bit north of Martinsville now. Uh, a big a big thank you to Haley Carpick, my daughter, who's doing the driving here. And also a big thanks to the Union Club Hotel. Uh, some happy Purdue fans up there tonight. Tom Deanhart, you've been doing this for a long time, have watched Purdue football for a long time. Yes, Purdue had a championship in 2000. Today they had another one. Uh, obviously, the opportunity to win a West Division championship, get to the um, – uh, the opportunity to play in the Big Ten championship against Michigan. Can't minimize that, even though it wasn't a work of art today, a 30-16 to 16 victory, but Purdue gets the job done, and there is reason to celebrate in, in Boilermaker land. Yeah, you're right, Alan. I talked to you before the game just to get your, your perspective on the magnitude of this game, and, you know, there's it's, it's not hyperbole to say it was one of the biggest games in Purdue football history. I mean, you go back to the 2000 Indiana game in ross Stadium. Purdue needed a win to clinch the Big Ten to go to the Rose Bowl. That was a huge day. Boilermaker fans, I'm sure, remember. Then you fast forward to 22 years to today. And the chance, Alan, to not only get the bucket or to keep the bucket, but you get a chance to win the Big Ten West for the first time ever and to play in the Big Ten championship game for the first time ever. So, just another mile post for this program under Jeff Brom and another feather in his cap, you know, a great opportunity uh, obviously looms next Saturday in Lucas Oil Stadium. It's a big task to beat Michigan, but still, Alan, just uh, one of the high watermarks in this program's uh, long history. Yeah, you know, you get a chance to do what it took today. It did not start out well for Purdue. Mm -hmm. Donovan Williams uh in a situation where he gets hurt but they are indiana scores early looks like the purdue is going to have a hard time dealing with that option offense that changed with his injury but i thought also put, took purdue a while to kind of get going really took it to the after intermission before the boilermaker offense really got rolling but when it did uh it really took over in the third quarter and much into the fourth quarter to get the job done for that uh, two touchdown victory yeah, you're right. Uh, seven to three at halftime, Alan. Purdue, of course, scored a field goal on his very first drive of the game and was shut out the rest of that first half. And this was an Indiana defense that came in at or near the bottom in just about every significant category. 34 points a game they were allowing, Alan, and Purdue only mustered three in the first half. So there was there was a lot of concern. You're right. And uh, you, you mentioned the injury to, to Dexter Williams. The Indiana quarterback was a big turning point. I think we all can agree, right? Because uh, we saw it, I saw it, the listeners saw it, that this offense for Indiana had a little edge to it with him running that option and, and just being elusive and keeping that, 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 that ground game humming. So he hurts a leg, in comes Connor Basilak, and Indiana's offense never really found a rhythm again, I didn't think. And second half, we saw the Purdue offense sort of come to life, right? We saw Aiden O'Connell settle down. We saw Devin Mockaby get more involved catching the football and then running the football. And we saw, you know, uh, the big play. We saw one big play in the first half from Charlie Jones-Allen in that 60-yard touchdown catch early in the fourth quarter to give Purdue, I think, a two-touchdown lead was a big one. So, 
that Purdue offense came to life uh, the, the second two uh, second the two final quarters of the game to really save Purdue's bacon today. I thought. Yeah, no question. When you look at what happened, Aiden O'Connell, 18 for 29, 290 yards, two touchdowns. A key today, without questions, Purdue did not turn the ball over. Yeah. Yes, they had a flurry of penalties at the run at, at challenging times. Devin Mockaby also five catches, really strong in the passing game. Uh, I'm going to start with him. What an amazing story, Devin Mockaby, just to, uh, to, to do what he just kind of sets the tone for this offense. Makes it you make it feel like even uh, early in the game that it's got possibilities, and in the second half, Purdue really went to him to make the difference. Yeah, you know Jeff Brom called him a difference maker in the post game press conference. It's that simple. He's a difference maker. You see him with the ball in his hands, and he's the kind of guy our our mothers could pick out and say <laughs> that guy and that guy's special. He's good. Uh, he just he, he gets through holes, Allen. He's elusive. He can cut. He's just got a knack, a, an extra sense. And you know what? You know what else he's good at, Alan? Is he plays hard. He runs hard. He's hard to tackle. He doesn't die easily, as they say. And now he's catching the ball, too, right? And he, he's just special. And, and there's no other back on the Purdue roster of his ilk. I think he's the real key to this offense if they're going to win games, is if he's involved doing a little bit of everything. I think he's got to be the hub of the offense. If, if he's doing good, Payne Durham, Charlie Jones are going to have good games probably as well. So it was a nice special effort by, by Devin. Just missed 100 yards by one yard. Yeah. 99 yards today. It was tough for him not to get that. But he had a lot of friends and a lot of family here today. Al, I, I, I stopped by their tailgate before the game. Uh and they, they must have had 100 people from Boonville all up here rooting for, for Devin Mockaby. They call them, I call them the Boonville Mafia. So they were very happy to see <laughs> the, Southern Indiana, the Southern Indiana product beat the, the team in Bloomington that didn't give Devin Mockaby the time of day when he was a high school kid. You know, I think it was at Matt Millen, somebody I was getting texts during the game talking about it, that he is a like a bar of soap uh, in terms of trying to deal with him. And I, I think that's true. He he just makes plays and he is very elusive in the open field. Showed that again today and overcame an injury uh, yeah. and came back in the football game, too. So, you know, that's I think is Purdue's only ticket to only chance next week is if it can sustain enough next week's game against Michigan is the ability to do a little bit something offensively with that, with that uh, running game. And he is certainly a big, a big deal. Also, uh, long touchdown reception, second half, I think about 153 yards receiving. Did I say I mean, is that correct with the numbers, but it was right about that. Another terrific day. For him, a different kind of the storyline also with this team all year. That injury, you know, Aiden O'Connell's played with the rib all year. Uh, Charlie Jones been banged up. Devin Mockaby's been banged up. Uh, there have been many guys on defense that done, have done that. But again, Jones came up big when, when they needed to today. Yeah, you're right. Four catches for 143 yards. Um, the 60 yarder for the touchdown we talked about, the 58 yarder. In the first half, was was a nice play. Didn't net any points, but just sort of stretched that Indiana defense out. So, 
Yeah, Jeff Brom said after the game, they had no idea Charlie Jones was going to be this good. I don't think anybody realized it. They all knew about his, his returning skills as a punt man, a punt returner and a kickoff return man. But uh, nobody had seen him catch the ball like this at any of his previous stops. So uh, he's been everything and then some for Purdue when it comes to catching the football. Still a few catches short of 100 for the season, but he'll probably get there on Saturday in Lucas Oil Stadium. And, um, yeah, real quick, too, shout out to the defense, right? Yeah. I think the first three or four possessions for Indiana in the second half were three and outs. And that allowed that offense to get the ball and get, get some points on the board, get some separation and some breathing room there. So the defense, while it had its issues, gave up a lot of yards rushing over 200. Um, by and large, I thought played pretty well. And Allen, very late in the game, sort of a, a ceiling touchdown, if you will. Corey Trice just sort of stripped, took the ball away from that Indiana receiver and scooted in from, from eight yards out for a touchdown and sort of ice things off with the Boilermakers. So Shout out to the defense for, for making some adjustments and getting some big stops to really jumpstart that team in the second half. Yeah, Kyder Ky Ky Jenkins really in the, it really was effective today, I thought, throughout yeah. the course of the game. Really, really caused problems. I don't know what his numbers were exactly. I don't have them in front of me, but but uh, he was uh, definitely in, in, in a problem for Indiana. Uh, that uh, they couldn't deal with very well, and and again that that in a game that it was thirty to sixteen, and, and Indiana scores a garbage touchdown at the end, and and uh, the defense was good when it had to be, and when Indiana had a lot of momentum, who knows where the game would have ended up had had uh, the injury not happened to Indiana quarterback in the first first part first half, but uh, after that it was pretty much shut down city uh, for most of the rest of the football game. You're right. Your leading tackler was Corey Trice and Jalen Graham. Each had eight. Uh, Kydman Jenkins, O.C. Brothers, and Sanusi Kane each had seven. <clears throat> and Allen, Kydman Jenkins blocked that field goal. <clears throat> yeah, that was big. <clears throat> I think Purdue was leading 17 to seven, and that was a big block. So, uh, and Jeff Brown talked about the special teams. Thought they played very well, and Purdue needed all every, every face to do its job today, and it did. Yeah. You know, you look at the situation, too, and, and what uh, what Purdue will face next week moving ahead to to uh, Lucas Oil. Obviously, and uh, whipped Ohio State by a lot more than any of us anticipated. Uh, but certainly you have to look at this uh, as an opportunity. Purdue will be more than a two touchdown up to underdog next week. But uh, again, uh, it's an opportunity that you can't pass up if you're Purdue. Yeah, you know, no pressure, right? Yeah. There's a lot of pressure today on Purdue. After Nebraska pulled the upset on Friday at Iowa, the spotlight swung to Purdue. The hot potato was in their lap. They controlled their destiny. Could they do it on their rival's home field? Rivalry weekend, bucket game, 10-point favorite. They delivered, right? The tables are turned this coming week, obviously. Michigan's going to be a heavy favorite, like you said. They're supposed to annihilate Purdue, right? Uh, they're, they're supposed to play in the college football playoff. They, they, they got their visions cast very high. <clears throat> so Purdue could play pressure-free, and we'll see what that does for them. So it, sometimes that's a nice position to be in. Yeah. 
yeah, you know, you look at where Purdue may end up, obviously, if the Boilermakers can pull the upset, which would be one of the biggest ones the college football season. If Purdue gets the job done next week, they would end up in Pasadena. That's unbelievable, as you, as one can imagine. But if not, uh, certainly looks like Tampa is a good possibility. If, if, if you don't get the win next week, uh, we'll wait to find out uh, the day after that uh, Big Ten championship game. But the point is, you you really are playing with house money if you're Purdue in this situation. Yeah. And I think that sometimes when Jeff Brom is, uh, I know you go back to that October evening against Ohio State, there were other factors at play. You had Rondale Moore in your roster. There's things that were different. But uh, Jeff Brom knows how to navigate these types of games. And if I'm Michigan, you know, you, you're going to be looking over your shoulder a little bit of what Purdue might be able to bring to the table come Saturday night in Indianapolis. Yeah, you're right. They haven't played since 2017, Alan. Jeff Brom's first year at Purdue, I think it was homecoming. Michigan won 28 to 10. Of course, that was the day Harbaugh made a big fuss about the Purdue locker room. That's right. The lack of air conditioning, if you remember that, became a little bit of a national story. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of respect <laughs> Jeff Brom has for Michigan, but again, a great opportunity for Purdue here um, going into this environment. Like you said, it would be a big upset. And uh, if Purdue does do it, like you said, Al, looks like they would go to the Rose Bowl. Now, you and I talked before the game. We both talked to Jerry Palm, our buddy. And you would think, now, again, there's, these games aren't based on merit, record, who you beat at all. But you would think the fact Purdue at least got to Indianapolis, they would have a good shot to land them, the very least in Tampa, for the old Outback Bowl. Now, Penn State looks like they're probably headed to Orlando. And uh, the hope was Penn State could get a New Year's Six Bowl bid in the Cotton Bowl. That probably is not going to happen. So if that doesn't happen, they'll probably go to Orlando as the thinking. And then Purdue would have a good shot to go to Tampa. Of course, Illinois and Iowa could probably make good cases to be for being in Tampa as well. But again, you think Purdue has a good shot for Tampa? If not Tampa, Allen, probably Charlotte, and at the very worst, maybe New York. Yeah, and I, I think that that's pretty clear because you have to look at this. You're right. The Big Ten really does make the call, but as Jerry's explained, and we've talked in the past, they will take the recommendation uh, of those bowls, and you would have to think Purdue hasn't played in, in uh, Florida since 2006. They haven't played on New Year's Day or a New Year's Day-esque bowl uh, since 2004. Four, December, January 1st, 2004, when they lost to Georgia in overtime in a Capital One, what was the Capital One Bowl slash Citrus Bowl. So all those things, I think, put Purdue in a very good position. Uh, one would think to to play a no worse in Tampa, in Tampa. And that would the, the Relia Quest Bowl. I'm having a hard time. It's going to be the first year of that name. Uh, the old Outback yeah. Bowl would be played on January the 2nd at noon. Purdue happens to have a men's basketball game at the exact same time against Rutgers. That will probably get moved in some way if they can with respect to TV. But again, all problems. Uh, that's assuming Purdue loses. And, and I guess that's the thing. It's why not? If you're Purdue, you go into this game saying, why not? What the heck? Uh, you know, you got a chance uh, uh, to, to put a little bit of pressure on Michigan. Michigan's the one that's got something to lose in this game. Yeah, a lot to lose. Of course, Jeff Rahm has coached Purdue in Lucas Oil Stadium, right, Alan? Yes, he has. Very first game of his Purdue career against his alma mater in Lucas Oil. And then and the fans remember 
the spirited effort Purdue gave that day against Lamar Jackson and the Cardinal in a loss. So uh, he get to take his team back there, what, six or some odd years later. So, yeah, just exciting, isn't it, Alan? Um, yeah. you see, I mean, you've, 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 you've been, you've sat in the seat a long time and you've seen a lot of good football, and a lot of bad football and to see the program have this least up, upward trajectory right now, it's, it's, it's pretty inspiring and, and it's got to energize the fan base just to see the buzz around the program. Attendance was really good this year. Now Purdue's still keeping it going, Alan, going to Indianapolis. You'd think there'd be a big turnout of Purdue fans. Win or lose, just have that experience. I would suspect we're still going to see a lot of Boilermaker fans in Lucas Oil Saturday night just to be part of a, of a, of a, of a very unique event Purdue's never been a part of before. Yes, phone was blowing up after the game uh, with, regard, with requests, not requests, we just wanted for information on tickets. That'll be available for the <laughs> Purdue Sports. There will be a lot. To, there'll be tickets available. I don't think anybody's yeah. going to get shut out that wants to go to this game. Uh, they've sold it out in the past, but not typically not. And uh, there's always been a, a few thousand tickets left. Now, there were obviously other storylines today and a very emotional Jeff Rahm. You were in the, the postgame press conference when asked about Aiden O'Connell. We're not really at liberty to talk a lot about what the situation is, but it is a, it is a difficult one. And yet, uh, Jeff Rahm, very, very emotional about that, about his uh, six-year quarterback. Yeah, well, let's just call it a, a personal matter. Yeah. I think that's that's the best way to phrase it right now. I'm sure more will come out. When, when Aiden and others are, are ready to talk about it, but he was very emotional on the sideline after the game. And this was the quote from Jeff Brom after the game to the media. He just said, hey, he's got a lot going on right now. Can't say anything. So he's emotional for a lot of reasons. He played really hard, stepped up, stepped up to the plate when his teammates needed. So again, um, just know that Aiden's dealing with a lot from a personal personal family matter. And uh, and as always, everybody can use thoughts and prayers. And I'm sure Aiden, Aiden and his whole crew would, would appreciate any you could send their way as well. You know, I talked the thing about with him today. Again, he was struggling a little bit in the first half, wasn't accurate in a couple passes. And and whether that had any anything to do with it, I, I can't speak to that. But I thought it was really a good thing for the Purdue offense because in the second half, Purdue got into some rhythm. Yeah. Uh, throwing the football, uh, all of a sudden he started finding some folks, uh, especially Charlie Jones, but others. Devin Mockaby really played a big role in the passing passing game in terms of in the in the third quarter catching three or four passes on a, on one drive there that I think Purdue scored on. Um, uh, you know, again, that's what you need going into a game like Michigan is confidence and rhythm uh, if you're going to stand a chance against the Wolverines. Yeah, you're right. You almost gonna have to play a perfect game yourself. Certainly, you can't beat yourself, right? Yeah, no question. Yeah, I know Michigan creates a raft of mistakes, and maybe you can score uh, on defense or special teams. It's gonna take that that perfect mix for Purdue to be able to pull this off. So who knows? Like I said, we've seen crazy things happen in the past. I've been to some of these championship games over my career that have just been stunners. Um, Again, I remember watching Texas A&M beat Kansas State in 1998. Right. Yeah. And, of course, that's what sent Kansas State to the Alamo Bowl to play Purdue. That's so, right. Ruined their season. Yeah, I mean, they, these things happen every few years. There's a big, big upsets in these title games. And 
And this will be Michigan's second year in this game, Alan. Uh, and like I said, they're, they're thinking college football playoff and national championship, right? So I'm sure there'll be plenty of Michigan fans there. Don't get me wrong, but it's not that far of a drive for most of their fan base if they're in Michigan to get to Indianapolis. So again, um, just a, a good opportunity for Purdue as the underdog, like I said, and, and uh, the defense is going to have to play well. I, I think in some ways, Allen may produce a little bit better matchup against Michigan than Ohio State. Michigan's more of a 1985 Big Ten team. Uh, they're just going to line up and try to punch you in the nose and out physical you. And Purdue's been pretty solid against the run. I know that sounds funny to say when you give up 200 yards today at IU, but by and large, they've done pretty well with their run fits. Their strength is their defensive line. So maybe they can at least not get totally run over by Michigan's offensive run game and control it to a degree and, and help them keep, keep them in the game because Ohio State Al has got so many athletes and they're so fast. I saw last year in Columbus when Purdue lost 59 to 31. I mean, they're like NFL players all over the field there and they hit big play after big play and they have the running back. So they're a tough matchup. And I'm not saying Michigan's not a tough matchup, but they're a little bit of a different matchup from a, from a pure athletic standpoint than Ohio State. Yeah, it was interesting today, though, and, and I would agree with you. Maybe the numbers today belie that a little bit because Michigan beat Ohio State on big plays. And what's amazing, and, and, and this is not surprising coming from both Ohio State and Michigan, Donovan Edwards, who had uh, literally gained about half of his season yards today, but he was huge today, 216 yards rushing, two touchdowns in just 22 attempts, and had a number of big plays, had an 85-yard run. And that was the thing that was interesting. Michigan beat Ohio State up top, beat them throwing on chunk plays. Very, very different uh, approach than what the Wolverines, what you would expect from them. Maybe they got it out of their system. Who knows? But uh, that's what's going to be a fun thing this week. And we're back at a regular football week. Uh, we got another extra week of that. A lot of coverage on the site. Don't know exactly what uh, how Jeff Brom's schedule will be this week, but one would think uh, we'll have access to him on Monday, uh, probably practice Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we'll see what happens down the stretch. But uh, yeah. all things. Alan, I think I, I did confirm they're going to have the Monday press conference at 11. We may get some players on Monday as well. So it'll probably be, uh, like you said, a pretty normal week access-wise. Yeah, it's going to be a fun week for Purdue, and uh, it again, it will be a fun story to tell uh, come Saturday night, 8 o'clock. game will be nationally televised on Fox. We'll have a lot of coverage all this week. We'll have a lot of basketball coverage. Obviously, Brian is traveling the globe, it seems like. He'll be in Portland tomorrow or Sunday for the Duke uh, matchup, Tallahassee on Wednesday for mm -hmm. Purdue, Florida State. Then Purdue comes back next week at home uh, to play Minnesota's first conference game next Sunday. So a lot of Purdue hoops on the slate as well. So, Tom, as always, your work is not done. It never seems to be. Uh, and you've got uh, a lot more to talk about as we break down Indiana, not only the Indiana game, but what's ahead for Purdue, Michigan as well. So thanks again for everything. Safe travels back. We're almost to Indianapolis, so we're looking forward to the rest of our trip back. We'll get this posted and have a lot of fun with that uh, as it's a good night to be a Boilermaker fan, certainly for Purdue fans, as Purdue gets that 14-point uh, win, keeps the bucket in West Lafayette, and that, by definition, if you're a Purdue fan, is a good thing. Yes, it is, Alan. A big win, 30-16, to, 30 to 16, keep the bucket, 
punch your ticket to Naptown, get win number eight, start dreaming about bowl games. You talked about basketball. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a Boilermaker fan, uh, this is uh, you're, you're standing in tall cotton right now, right? All right. Well, well thank you, Tom, and we thank the Union Club Hotel as well, and the Boiler Up Bar and the 811 Bistro, all great places to visit if you're in West Lafayette and to frequent if you're on campus. All right, Tom, safe travels back to West Lafayette. We'll see you. We'll have more from our Saturday simulcast, probably a very late one, probably a Sunday version next week, I would guess, mm -hmm. after the Purdue-Michigan game for the Big Ten Championship. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for watching, processing our information, and a reminder that you can join, become a member of the thousands that have already done so for $1. You can become a member of goldenblack.com. We switched platforms to the on three platform and really have enjoyed it been pleased with that move to date. And we'll look forward to having all our, all our readers and uh, subscribers join us as, as uh, uh, we get into not only bowl season, but big 10 basketball season. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. And we'll see you next week on our Saturday simulcast. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.